Hello and welcome back to a trade season ramp up edition of the Warriors All 82 podcast. I got Sam Amick in the building. This is what your second Warriors game of the season? Home game? Second Warriors home game, third Chase Center appearance. Um, I came to the Portland game early. Remember that one they, where... Yeah, Warriors won that game. Warriors won. Fun little story that I just got to own, and this is the perfect podcast to own it on. So I come to Chase Center. I'm the guy who lives near Sacramento, and I'm whining like a baby because I got to drive a little farther, you know, because San Francisco versus Oakland. Come to Blazers shoot-around, and I get Damian Lillard at shoot-around for an interview. That's why I came. I tell Damien that day. I didn't. Did I already share this story on your pod? I don't think so. I, I don't know if you've been on the pod. If you're not at the arena, you're not on the I pod. I feel like I shared this story somewhere, but it's the Warriors pod, so I'll share it. So like an idiot, I tell Damien that morning, and I'm, I'm trying to be funny. I'm like, Dame, don't take it personal. Not that he cares. But I said, thanks for the interview. I got what I needed. I'm not going to stick around for your game tonight because it's not the same old Warriors. You guys are going to run right through them. And he kind of laughed. And then I jinxed him, and I'm watching on TV at home that night going, man, these plucky Warriors, look that at them. That was the Eric Paschal breakout yeah. night. And since then, Eric Paschal has quieted. But uh, he was actually pretty good tonight. Uh, anyway, they took the Nuggets to OT. This is at least a good game to be at somewhat. You know, competitive. Warriors should have won. They were up 19. Uh, but they didn't. They've lost 10 in a row. This is now their first 10-game losing streak since 0-2. Uh, a team that was so bad that they got the third overall pick and drafted Mike Dunleavy. Oh, two is that Mike Dunleavy? Who is now in their front office? That's how long ago was the last time they they uh, lost him? Yeah. Well, also I think the around that same time, one of the uh, staffers at the arena tonight was kind of uh, telling old stories to me about the eleven win season that that he apparently was here for and. Not not great when the folks around here are reminiscing about you know that particular era. They're on pace for seventeen and sixty-five. Draft pick is good. good Draft standing. pick should be good, which can pivot us to what I really want to talk about. Not the game, uh, trade season. That draft pick suddenly becoming quite the asset. Um, potentially podcast voice here. This is potentially good. packaged with a. Um, somewhat sought-after piece that they uh, acquired last summer, D'Angelo Russell, which is kind of the news of the day. You know, Shams and, and Krasinski, John Krasinski from uh, Minnesota, kind of coming out with the with the news that Minnesota is intensifying, I believe was the verbiage. Um, their, you know, re-engagement for D'Angelo. Obviously, D'Angelo this summer um, kind of spurned the Wolves a little bit on the helicopter ride, decided to take the Warriors' max offer. Um, but you had good sources on that story. <laughs> oh, Sam. Um, and, um, you know, but you knew the, I mean, the Wolves desperate right now, you know, another bad season there. What have they made the playoffs? One out of the last like 20 years. Um, the, the long-term view for the Wolves has got to be to keep Carl Anthony Towns happy. There's already rumblings of like kind of maybe some discontent. Um, he's got four years left on his deal, which is crazy. He does, but. I mean, obviously, you know uh, where it's at right now. I'm not now. saying that it's yeah. not fair to wonder if he's content. It's more a, a, a statement about the state of the NBA. The state of the NBA and the fact that, um, and I said this to somebody the other day, stop getting mad at us in the media for trying to analyze these situations in advance and figure out where these guys might be going because they are the ones who are playing by this new set of rules wherein the contract only matters so much. 
Paul George, a couple years left on his deal in Oklahoma City, going to the Clippers. Uh, you know, that there's not a right or a wrong. That's just the new trend. And with a guy like Carl, I just think 10 years ago, we would not talk about Carl being unhappy all that much because he was under contract for four years. And now, with obvious kind of reason, we look past that. Yeah, and I mean, and it's not just a player thing. Look what the Warriors are doing with D'Angelo Russell. They signed him to a four-year contract this summer, and literally day two of that contract, we were already talking about, like, where he, the Warriors could potentially package him. Like, teams view players as assets. Players are starting to view franchises as assets. D'Angelo kind of viewed the Warriors as an asset. I took so a picture today. So, again, third visit to Chase Center. I'm new. I'm still soaking up the scenery. This got my attention, and, and it's an audio platform here so to share it it's outside chase center there's a big warriors logo it looks almost like a big piece of lego or something and on the right side it's the warriors stars and it's these cutouts of steph clay draymond and delo and it's like there he is at the end of the line and and naturally you're wondering what are those cutouts going to look like you know after that I, I mean i i think he'll be here through the deadline that's my prediction but the Wolves, or I mean, past the deadline. The Wolves, uh, in this, like you said, John and Shams reported this, and I have talked to people about it as well. For some reason, they seem to think that this Jeff Teague trade with Atlanta got them one step closer to getting D'Angelo. And the, the Warriors do not appear to agree. And so I'm, I'm curious to see how this thing develops, if at all. Yeah. Um. So from the Warriors side of things, like they can really remain patient and probably would prefer to remain patient on the D'Angelo front because they, first of all, they need to get freed from this hard cap that has just like put them in handcuffs for basically 365 days. Um, there's no really like maneuvering they can do salary cap wise, um, you know, over, you know, how like you could, you know, bring back a little bit more salary than you give up. Typically the Warriors can't do that because they're just so close to the hard cap. Um, not only that, I think um, they want to know what pick they have before they decide if they want to package it in a deal or if they don't. Uh, I think they want to see, you know, for example, what happens with Philadelphia in the playoffs. Like, if that flames out poorly and, like, Ben Simmons is throwing a fit and they're, you know, losing 4-1 to the Bucks in the second round. you're, 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 You're down on the Simmons thing? You think that's got some legs to it? I don't... I think it could if the Philly, you know, stuff... The playoffs always dictates this stuff going into the summer yeah, right yeah. you know like what sure ben simmons could be pl- fine and happy yeah, with mb like if, if they if they go to the finals and it's like wow this is working out but yeah if it's a bad fit like my point is that sorry to cut you off i think it's also worth noting and i'm connecting dots here but you know jimmy butler gets traded from the t-wolves to the sixers at that time it gets widely reported and shared that Jimmy is expected to re-sign in Philly. Uh, you know, we always kind of forget that part. He doesn't re-sign, and since then he's laid a lot of hints that, you know, he won't really tell us exactly why he didn't re-sign, but all I know is that he loves Joel Embiid, and he raves about Joel Embiid. And so I, I have kind of watched that situation and wondered that, you know, what is the reason that it seems like that spotlight, not the right kind of spotlight, is kind of going in Ben's direction and not just basketball wise and schematically, but you know, you hear different things about just kind of the way that uh, the vibe in the locker room is and the way guys' circles are and how they all kind of 
uh, you know, fit in together. I think that's something to watch. Yeah. I, I guess, like, the main wider scope point is, um, you know, if if the Warriors were to make a Russell move now, you'd almost have to wow them with it because they have this guy under contract for four years. It'll be three years this summer. They can kind of sit back and, and – and wait to not only survey the landscape but potentially get our you know number one number two number three overall pick that they could again latch to him use in another deal maneuver around with uh in the summer when they're free of the hard cap and the only way to um make them you know speed up the process with russell is to is to throw something on the table that would make me go we can't you know pass this up and is that Robert Covington and Josh Okogie in a pick? I mean, that doesn't. I mean, I'm not saying that long term isn't a bad deal for the Warriors, but if they're like, hey, that might be there in the offseason too if we wait, that might be like the fallback option. You know, Andrew Wiggins, I know, is like, I think probably the guy Minnesota would try to push. It's, it's more of a salary matching type deal. Hey, you get a young potential stud, we get a young potential stud that maybe hasn't found its, neither have found their way, but I'm not sure the Warriors would be in love with that i mean that's that's such a fallback star compared to like you know a bradley beal a simmons not that saying the warriors are going to get that but i just don't see the rush for the warriors to me this is clearly the wolves are a bit more panicked than the warriors it is and the the reason we cannot sit here and say what might happen is that you know the sense is hypothetically if the wolves were the only team coming with any seriousness for d'angelo that would explain why minnesota might feel like this story is going down one particular road. I don't know if that's the case. I don't know, you know, who all has interest in D'Angelo. I do know, and I wanted to get your opinion on this, that in general, and no, it's not this simple. There's a lot of layers to this thing. But in general, what I keep falling back on with the Warriors is just that that obvious point of like, come on, stop trying to tell us D'Angelo is part of this for the long haul. You're not paying a max guy to come off the bench. You're not having four max guys. You know, and I know they've had it before, right? Or have they? Four max guys. Yeah, I mean, with Draymond. Was- no, because I mean, Draymond sat under his max. Steph, even for the start of the KD year, was still only making that. Like, remember that four for forty-four extension yeah. he had? So I don't think they've ever. They haven't ever sat at four max it would guys. Be four, am I right with that? It'd be four. Yes, Draymond signed his max extension that he could have waited and got a way bigger max this summer. But you know, technically, yeah, he took his max at the time he could get it. Right. Clay got a big max. Right. Steph got a max. D'Angelo got his max. They're all different numbers. Like right. Steph's making forty. D'Angelo's making twenty-seven this year. Uh, but. Overall, it is an absurd amount of money. It's yeah. not only that. I think the big numbers. It's over a hundred million combined for three guards, yeah. for three backcourt players. That you know, like you said, we probably they they would maybe try to force them into a starting lineup together or a closing yeah. lineup together. But overall, it's really just three guards. Is it pivoting a little bit? Is it newsworthy at all? Because I'm I'm guilty of not tracking your team every single day like I did last five six years. But um, Clay Thompson pregame. Out here shooting full jersey, semi-pro headband, doing his thing with music. It was kind of fun to watch. Is that it's happening funny. routinely? Uh, yeah, he usually does it in the back. The change today is he came out on the court. But, okay. yeah, he was like – he has been he put on his jersey. I remember it was before the Bucks home game that they had here where he put on his jersey pregame. He was kind of like – he was putting it on, and it was when the open session for reporters. And me and, like, Marcus were in there, and he's – 
we're all kind of like, wait, why is he putting on his shirts? He's like, don't worry, guys, I'm not playing tonight. He's like, just feels so good to put it on. <laughs> and then he does the headband. He goes out there and he's out there uh, doing like pick and pops with Zaza because it's strange. It sounds I don't normally get on my feelings on the basketball side. I'm not gonna lie. It was good to see him on the court. Like it, the dude is, he's a hell of a player. And the last memory I have of him is in the finals. You know, him trying to limp through the hallway. Just some of the grittiest stuff you'll ever see. I, I thought it was neat to see him out there again. Um, it also made me laugh because I haven't seen him play in so long that I almost had this thought of like, you know, listen, he there's no anonymity for Clay in the Bay or probably anywhere in the country, but it would be fun to, to, to roll to a, a blacktop somewhere with him and, and just do that thing where, you know, people have kind of forgotten about Clay Thompson for now and... And maybe you could go take some people's money, like, you know, white men can't jump style and do your thing a little bit. But that's what he looked like. He was just out here having a little fun. Chris DeMarco, you know, famed Warriors assistant coach out here doing his thing. But but that got my attention. Yeah, I think the more newsworthy stuff lately has been Steph is yeah. looking close. And they're not going to rush him. And don't take me saying close as he's going to play next week. Although... I mean, geez, if it was game one of the second round, I've been saying they probably could push him to play, maybe put a little pad on the hand. Do um, they care about the, the impact on the draft pick? Yes, but, like, the coaches want to get some more wins, get a better feeling around the team, and I think the front office and coaches, you know, collectively want to see a lot of these pieces with Steph, particularly, obviously, D'Angelo as we get – you know, into this conversation about his fit long term, uh, th- the thought of this year was let's see how D'Angelo and Russ, or, you know, and Steph fit together, and they got three games of that right. basically before Steph went out. So I think they want to see twenty games of that. You want to see Steph with the young centers. You might even want to see Steph with a guy like Collie Stein, who you brought in to be a lob threat around the gravity that Steph pulls away. Right. But now Collie Stein might be trade deadline uh, type, you know, bait trade right. bait. Um, so. Uh, I, I, you know, it's just morale. I mean, they just lost their 10th straight game. Like, I understand, you know, the, the uh, bad year. Um, but, you, you know, when you live it on a day-to-day, you're like – and you see a healthy Steph Curry who wants to play, who's, like, in the gym just, like, striping in three after three after three. A lot of these players are going to be like – when once he gets to a point where he can actually practice with the team and it's probably going to be the best player in those practices – they're going to be like, you know, can he play, please? Did anybody post-game on the Warriors' side? <laughs> Sorry, this worker's about to fall on his backside. I'm laughing. Um, I'm a bad person. Anybody talk post-game about uh, Nikola Jokic going for a walk with the ball late? The, the like, double dribble thing he yeah. had over here? Uh, no, not Draymond really. seemed like he lost his Dr- mind. Yeah, Draymond was nowhere to be found post-game. Got it. Um, didn't seem happy during the game. I don't I'll think you like some of the defensive effort. I'll call Josh Robbins on that one. There you go. Yeah. Let's give Draymond a pass. Draymond's actually been pretty good with the media this year. Um, no. It wasn't. Because, you know, the funny thing is, like, they're mad in the moment, but, like, it's not a big loss. Right. You know, it's not like they do that, and, and here come the playoffs. Here comes the eight seed. So Here's the takeaway. I know it's the Warriors pod, but I, I admittedly I was writing a column during the game about a different team, so wasn't fixated on the game. But the Nuggets side of things is fascinating because they're, they're doing pretty well in the standings. I talked to their group yesterday, and one of the things that was expressed was that they just have this Jekyll and Hyde personality where they keep – 
doing exactly what they did tonight. Now they pulled it out, but this is not an impressive win by any means. Um, and they no. continue to, you know, walk this weird line where the record looks pretty darn good, but you are not believable as a contender. And I would say that even with the W, this is another one of those games tonight. Yeah, be interesting. Are they going to do something at the deadline? They're a team with all these different young assets that are not being played as much as they probably want to. Obviously, Malik Beasley had a good game tonight, but he's a little bit buried at times, You know, especially when Gary Harris is playing, when Jamal Murray's back, although Jamal Murray's spraying his ankle. He's out for a little while. Um, I mean, the Michael Porter Jr. experience is... trying to look up his numbers. What did he do? Yeah, uh, I don't know what he finished with, but he was pretty good, and he had a big... Uh, rebound put back and one at one point i mean so he definitely my, had double I, digits i do i like michael malone I've, I've enjoyed him all these years you know warriors assistant coach time I, I got to know him then king's head coach but not there's no but i i'm fascinated by michael's handling of michael porter jr and it is it's tough love it's somebody was telling me that it's like you know he's got a lot of fans michael porter does within the nuggets buildings and they watch these games, and they know that, you know, he could hit five shots in a row, but if he misses one defensive assignment, the night might come to an end. And and But Michael Malone also knows that he's a really, really serious talent, and he's trying to make him earn it. And I don't have any problem with the way he's handling him, but it's, it is it is pretty unique. It reminds me a little bit of not kind of apples to oranges, but like Anthony Davis uh, early on with Monty Williams in New Orleans. Like Monty wouldn't give him the minutes he wanted you know, was tough on him, things like that. Um, he seems like a hell of a player, but, you know, he might. He did some really, like, eye-pop and stuff tonight. Right. It's the defensive side is, is you know, that's where he's trying to get him to learn. Uh, he ends up with 18 points, 10 boards. Wow, that's a good night, man. How many minutes? A lot. I mean, I, you know, the, they, no Millsap, no Harris, no Murray, which I think kind of adds to his playing time. But Plus, uh, plus 11. Yeah. Anything else Warriors-wise, deadline-wise, catch your eye? I mean, the Cauley Stein, Burks, Glenn Robinson even, although I think Robinson's more in the Warriors' long-term plans than the other two. I'm just waiting to talk about your Tesla. That's all I'm waiting on. Wow, he wants to talk Tesla. <laughs> Off the air. Um, you can edit that part out. No, it's fine. I, 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 I jumped in your Tesla the other day, and suddenly my uh, – my my 2004 Toyota Camry was not cutting it anymore. We've been we've been shopping on those websites, brother. You're a bad influence. <laughs> oh, I will talk to you from the Magic game on Saturday. Should be a, they lost ten in a row. They need to get one. Should have got the one tonight. Um, a loss is a win. Come on. Yeah. A loss is a win, but you know it's funny. You talk to people who don't mind the losses. They still say like best way to do it is like lose six in a row win lose five in a row win like you don't want it to get to a point especially with a young that's a young locker room in there uh where you're trying to keep guys motivated to come to work and sometimes it's like 10 in a row it's like heads i mean you know how an nba season works like we can talk all we want about tanking and losing and those guys got to deal with the losses on a daily basis yeah i was gonna say i mean draymond not talking like tonight that's a that's a sign he's probably not in a great place tonight so i hear that plus i mean steve kerr you know anybody you talk to about steve they'll remind you how competitive he is and and don't you know kind of gloss over the fact that this is 
extremely challenging for him and his psyche because of who he is. Yeah, one of the, or I would say his like least favorite questions. He's so good with the media, but like the questions that kind of you know get him a little tense and a little angry at times this season have been the oh like what about the you know how about the draft pick you know the tanking type questions the like long term you know Steph Clay you know he'll even get mad it's like oh. so don't ask him if he studied tape of Lamelo Ball. Oof, man, him, him, and Lavar, they got history. Well, Lavar just has history had of like that, saying stuff. I've about told Steve. people that I said that, that this, you know, some not nice part of me was rooting for that because Steve can't stand Lavar, and and full disclosure, I I can't really either. But like, I I don't think Lavar's been quiet. I know that wasn't very nice of me, but I don't I don't feel like getting aggregated because that happened the other day on our buddy Ethan's <laughs> podcast. But like, I don't think that. Lavar is around in the kind of way that would make drafting a player like Lamelo, uh, you know, that, that would be a factor for any team. Uh, it won't be the Warriors if they think he is the right move, they'll make it. But even but they'll, I, they'll, they'll, sorry, Steve, you're gonna you're gonna coach it and you're gonna yeah. But it. I don't think it, this is not Lonzo in his rookie season and Lavar showing up, Magic Johnson and Jeannie Buss and sitting courtside. There is. In terms of their family dynamic, it appears to be a, a lot more distance there now. We went down the Lamelo Ball Road. Welcome to the Warriors uh, All Eighty Two of this season. All right, um, I will talk to you from Warriors Magic on Saturday. Thriller, get ready. <laughs>